0: Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, and my wife will be joining us here shortly. Statins, um, cholesterol-lowering medications. We believe that most chronic disease does not need medication to treat it. So type 2 diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol, uh, many different diseases that you don't need medications to treat them long-term. They are lifestyle-related related disease, and thus can be reversed when your lifestyle has changed. So are we getting the whole story? Is, is, is cholesterol causing heart attacks? Do statins prevent heart attacks? And uh, the answers might surprise you because statins are definitely, a very, very popular drug that many patients are on. And I will tell you that personally, I would never take one. And um, I would never recommend one to my immediate family, that is for sure, because there are many different ways to prevent heart attacks. And I don't think statins is the best way. So Janet, welcome to our show. Tell us some of the history of statins, Janet, and what you know about it.
1: Well, uh, first of all, we should probably start out with that Heart disease is still the number one killer of Americans, and as we are going and as we progress through time, our uh, problem with obesity has increased, and so therefore, um, you know, it's still one of the chronic illnesses that is um on our priority as healthcare providers to bring attention to and um, it's happening to younger and younger people as as we look at our population. It should be one of those things that we address early in life because the younger you are and the earlier you have damage to your vascular system, the shorter obviously someone's life is going to be. So it's a very serious matter and it needs to be, uh, drawn attention to, um, and cardiovascular can affect, uh, not only heart, but, you know, we start into having, um, problems with, uh, stroke, car- uh, cardiac, um, flutter, you know, all kinds of different things that can happen with it. Peripheral, uh, issues as well. So high on our list of preventable things that we can do in our society. And... Um, Sean and I learned in in school um, some big studies that were put out about how cholesterol was the cause of uh, the cardiovascular events. And the problem I'm addressing or we are addressing today is because we've seen the statins be out on the market for what, 30 years, 40 years? And you would think we would have made headway if we were putting everybody on cholesterol medications that we would put a dent in what's happening with cardiovascular disease, and we really haven't. So um, it, it, it kind of brings a little bit of question mark to my brain as to whether or not it's really that effective. And so when we say that, we really need to know that, you know, um, I don't know if cholesterol is the huge culprit, and we were taught that in, in pharmacy school that you know high cholesterol was the reason that we were having issues, and it might be because we're having high cholesterol, but why is that cholesterol being elevated? And just because we took the cholesterol level down in clients and patients over time didn't eliminate the disease, so um, there's a lot of question marks there in my brain. Um, To say that cholesterol is bad for us when it's a natural thing that we need for every cell in our body it's probably how that cholesterol is being shifted in our body as to whether it's a healthy shift or a bad shift. Um, And so I just wanted to put that in the the background of it. Um, Cholesterol medications um, came from natural sources. Um, We sell one in our pharmacy called red yeast rice, um, but it doesn't seem to affect clients as harsh as a statin does. Um, And they have been around, I think I want to say red yeast rice has been around for, as long as the medications um, have been made by pharmaceutical companies. Um, I know that's kind of a long intro, but most Americans today, if they went to their doctor and they've hit 35 or 40, they're probably already on a statin. And so it affects a lot of people. So that's, you know, kind of one of the reasons I wanted to give a a baseline to that. Do you want to add to that?
0: Yeah, well, you know, she talked about red yeast rice, and red yeast rice has been used for decades and decades and decades, maybe centuries for um, natural cardiovascular support. And as is true of most all drugs, um, drug companies find out that a, you know, a drug is, or a plant source has been used for years to treat certain diseases. I mean, aspirin is a great, a great uh, example. Um, Aspirin comes from um, white willow bark uh, that's been used for thousands of years to treat headaches and to treat fevers and pain and you know the natives would use it in a tea mixture they'd mix up the bark in a tea and it would be used for those those um, conditions so bear pharmaceuticals back in the 1890s thought well we're going to um, patent, we're going to find out what the active ingredient is in white willow bark and we're going to patent it and we're going to make some money and we're going to save a lot of lives. So, and this is just kind of talking about the whole history of the pharmaceutical industry, which is basically only a hundred years. Um, so, you know, drug companies find a disease or find a problem and they try to treat it. So they came up with salicylic acid, which is aspirin. That's the active ingredient in white willow bark. Well, as we all now know aspirin has a lot of side effects from gastrointestinal bleeds to renal or kidney problems um, all kinds of of issues whereas the white willow bark didn't so anytime we try to isolate the active ingredient from a drug or from a plant and find out the one active ingredient in there we don't know we don't know what other ingredients are in that plant to help prevent side effects What other ingredients are in that plant to work synergistically i.e with that other drug at a lower dose to not cause side effects so i think it's kind of we'll never ever solve the problem of well we want to know what the active ingredient is that is that is in that plant and we just don't know because we don't know we don't know we only know what we're looking for so we'll never ever be able to um, develop a drug a single source drug from a plant without causing side effects so Red yeast rice, the active ingredient that, uh, let's see, it was Merck Medco, or Merck at the time, in the 1980s, late 1980s, they found out that this active ingredient that helped lower cholesterol was lovastatin. And it is true, in red yeast rice, there is lovastatin. But when Merck isolated that drug from, from lovastatin and came up with Mevacor, um it caused lots of side effects it caused rhabdomyolysis which is muscle pain um the breakdown of muscle literally and it also caused um liver liver issues um it can actually you got to get your liver liver enzymes checked because it can cause liver failure Um, there's been many deaths associated with statins and liver problems for sure so and then what happens, so lovastatin goes off patent, because most medications, by the time they make it to market, they, you know, only have about a seven years of their patent left, and and I think the drug, um, the drug from the time it's, cons- the chemical drug from the time it's discovered um, has a 15-year um, um, brand name exclusive patent. So after that, they can make generics and use it, takes seven years or so before the g- the drug can even be put to market so they only have about seven years of being active on the market before they can um uh, before generic will compete with it so what do drug companies do they think of a a way to change the molecule just slightly and so they can extend their patent basically on another drug and that's why we came up with what was the second one janet after Mevacor. um
1: abacol i mean there's a lot of them there's
0: crestor lipitor has been popular so those are all statins now um zocor zocor is the one that Mm -hmm. that medco that merc came up with to kind of basically extend its patent for from evicor but they've been around for 30 years now and they were the they were the savior of cardiovascular disease they were going to prevent all these heart attacks and yet here we are 30 years later Americans are having more heart attacks than ever. So the answer, people, it's not statins. And I don't think the answer is cholesterol. Um, what's the most dangerous thing we can do every day as, a, as an American, Janet?
1: Well, first of all, it's not moving. Um, and, and I think that's one of, one of the things that we need to do is we need to have healthy movement in our society. But There's other things uh, that go into play here besides just movement. And stress is one of those things in our society that we're not dealing well with on many levels. And um, there's a lot of thought out there that um, inflammation is the root cause of the cardiovascular events. And that can be brought on by many different factors. And so many of these things people can control in their own lifestyle If they know or if someone has taught them, Um, for example, if if a person is not sleeping well, their, their inflammation in their body is off the chart. Um, if they are not eating well, if they're not dealing with their mental issue or stress in their life in a healthy way, their stress level is high. So we come back to this simple hormone called cortisol in our body. Is it at a stressful level? And those are things that we can deal with without putting a pharmaceutical in our body. So I'm going to let you address some of those things.
0: Well. The most dangerous thing that we can do as an american hands down especially since cardiovascular disease is a number one killer in america um, is to be overweight um, obesity has been associated with many different diseases including cardiovascular mortality and morbidity so um, death from heart attacks and strokes um, are elevated when you are obese so here's i mean i'm just a rational thinker here so you're telling me that you can be a couple hundred pounds overweight Um, and you can have type two diabetes and you can have hypertension and, um, you can be a smoker. You can, um, you know, be a heavy drinker and lowering your cholesterol by taking a statin is going to make you healthier and prevent cardiovascular disease. I'm not buying it. And I'll tell you guys, so drug companies are very good at marketing to doctors. And I talked to a doctor one time, and this is just proof that doctors don't treat, they treat individual symptoms. They don't treat individual patients and the entire patient. They don't fix problems. They treat symptoms. So this doctor, and he's a typical doctor that is just, you know, traditional doctor, just prescribe another drug for a symptom. He was telling me how um, death from cardiovascular disease can be lowered um, more from taking a statin than it can from stop smoking. So if you're going to tell a patient to pick one or the other, you should tell them to take a statin instead of stop smoking. Now, my guess is he's drinking the Kool-Aid fed to him from drug companies because here's the whole problem with that. Even if it did, even if statins worked better to stop cardiovascular accidents than smoking did, isn't it pretty crazy to think that um, taking a drug is going to prevent more problems than stopping smoking? We all know how bad smoking is for us. Not even the heart attack issues, but lung cancer, and then the acute issues too. Um, so many acute issues with breathing problems and stuff like that. So this is what we're dealing with, dealing with in our traditional healthcare system: doctors that think prescribing a statin is better than a patient stop smoking. Now, you tell me how that makes rational sense.
1: Um, I feel like some of the providers that we work with with primary care and direct care um, that are not caught up into just checking the box and writing a new prescription, we take into account that many lifestyle changes, which doesn't take you to the pharmacy to buy a new drug or to add a new drug to the regimen, actually takes the hard work of actually applying change to our life. But if you don't know that and someone isn't telling you these things and you're being sold short, I believe, on your provider's end. So... Even just 10 pounds drops a unhealthy cholesterol down, but also lowering the stress in your body. If you're a diabetic, getting your, your sugar levels under control and your diet into a healthy range, it makes a world of difference. Um, and it's, you know, w- maybe we are making this sound way too easy, but little, little hinges, right? Little changes getting proper exercise, getting proper sleep, eating properly, making whatever changes we need in our lifestyle to make those things happen, I believe all come together to make a healthier person. And that can even come down to as we're aging to make sure that we're balancing our hormones or our nutrition in our life. There's many easy things that you can do at home before you went down the road of going on something that has side effects. And it isn't Just when we say side effects, it can be not just your muscles aching, but we have patients that, you know, they're saying, I'm foggy, my memory's not working well, um, my hair is falling out, I don't feel like doing anything. I mean, to me, I would rather go down the route of making lifestyle changes before I invested in something that was going to have the side effects that could be very detrimental.
0: So, Janet, talk about testosterone and thyroid and as we age, how those hormones actually decrease and then are and and they help to keep cholesterol in check so talk about that
1: see cholesterol is is an important important molecule in our body we need to have that for the cell structure of every cell of our 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 body and every organism has to have cholesterol for that integrity of the tissue and the cells and and to make sure that structure is there and as we age there seems to be a shift of whether or not we are producing, whether it's it's caused by our our way of life, our, our value system of how we live, or if it's just an imbalance that starts happening as we are going through the aging process. And I think what happens is we are not producing enough of the hormones that we need to get the messages to our tissue. We go into a survival mode. And so we have this overproduction that can happen because it doesn't seem to be the case when we are making our hormones naturally at a good, uh, level. And it's not just, uh, testosterone, but it's also estradiol and thyroid, especially our active thyroid. And if we can get those into balance, we see many clients that, um, can actually be taken off of some of their hormones or not their hormones, but their, um, Cholesterol medications because they kind of go back into a natural level and and are good. And that could be also just by losing weight. I've seen patients that have lost weight that um, they no longer are in that danger range. So it's stress on our adrenal glands and stress on our ovaries or testes. So we get to a place where we're not producing the hormones that we naturally need, such as thyroid, levothyroxine, or lyothyronine, excuse me. Uh, testosterone, estradiol, and they're not getting to the tissue where we need them to do the functions they um, need to perform. For example, estradiol helps with the vascular health as well as our brain functions. Thyroid helps with uh, all of that, and so does testosterone. Testosterone lowers the amount of um, abdominal fat that we carry, which is a, a marker for, for Um, cardiovascular disease because we start making more um, muscle and bone that are both better in our uh, range of health of where we should be rather than storing fat in our abdominal cavities.
0: Yeah. Prescribing a statin, if you're on a statin, first of all, you need to have your hormones checked. Um, And I think prescribing a statin without checking uh, thyroid and testosterone and other sex hormone levels is on the verge of medical malpractice because um that, you know, we don't normally see high cholesterol until people get into their 40s and 50s, right. and one of the reasons why is because those hormones are, have decreased in um, levels, so.
1: Right. I'm going to interject, I, I didn't mention when we were talking about thyroid, a lot of a lot of people just think of thyroid as just thyroid, but thyroid helps with metabolism. So um, that's why we focus and say that is because if your metabolism is going lower, then you're storing, you're not using uh, um, the nutrients in um, our processes of of burning and, and energy and things like that. And also if you are building muscle or maintaining muscle, then your energy levels are going to be better too. And I know that, Some people think that's very counterintuitive as we age, but it isn't until, or it hasn't been for most people until we hit that uh, 40-year range that we even look at someone's thyroid level, and that might be too late.
0: Janet, tell us about the story of your mom and taking statins.
1: Yeah, so my mom um, used to take a journey to visit uh, my family and help Sean and I out, and spoil um, our kids and she uh, actually uh, practiced as a nurse for many many years and of course she believes in all the traditional um, western medical routines and because that's the part of the system she was in and she actually ran out of her statin at her house and talked to me about whether or not she should refill it well one of the the conversations we had about it was what was her level? Was it a level that really needed to be reduced? The other thing we talked about is the side effects that she was experiencing. She was losing her hair. She was having problems with the gait of being able to walk properly. She was also having uh, fogginess in her, her thinking. And she was having issues with um, her, what else was it? I can't remember. Knee
0: pain for Oh, sure. yeah,
1: her knees, um, which she did have some problems because of weight, but yes, a lot of it was, uh, you know, uncomfortable walking because of of her knees hurting. And so she decided, you know what, while I'm at your house and visiting my um, sister on the coast, I'm just gonna take a hiatus because really stopping it wasn't gonna make a difference as to whether or not, you know, something huge was gonna happen at that point and so she tried it and lo and behold by the time she got back home she was feeling amazing so the problem with her is that she was having side effects and didn't even realize that she was just attributing everything that was happening to her as a effect of aging and she had a lot more years of living left i mean she shouldn't have been feeling the way she was feeling at that point
0: it's amazing when patients stop taking their statins how much better they feel I mean there's people that are on chronic pain medications and they stop their statins and their statins were the ones causing the chronic pain it's it's almost unbelievable that you know we have used these drugs for 30 years and just almost put them everybody we can on them i mean if the drug companies would have their way everybody would be on a statin and you have to look at the whole picture so if somebody has a cholesterol i mean and and we're so black and white in traditional medicine somebody has a cholesterol of 200 they're they're they are fine, but if it's 201, oh, you need a statin. So I'm a perfect example. My cholesterol is a little bit high, 2, 2, 210 or so. So they they would want to put me on a statin, but my triglycerides are super low, like 60, and my HDL is like 70, which is a good cholesterol. Um, and obviously, I have no other risk factors. I'm not overweight. I'm not obese. I'm, I don't have diabetes, and I don't smoke, and the list goes on. So Really, you're going to put me on a statin that's going to cause those kind of side effects? We have to treat patients, not labs. Um, every patient is definitely different, so we need to treat them that way. We could also talk about relative risk versus absolute risk. When when your doctor tells you that you know statins have a 95 percent um, decrease in cardiovascular risk, well, the way they do that is relative risk versus um, absolute risk. So let's say, for instance, out of 100 people. Um, in the placebo group, the non-treatment group, two people had a heart attack. And then um, in the treatment group, um, i.e. the statin group, only one person had a heart attack. Well, they could say that, you know, that's a 50% reduction in cardiovascular mortality based on, you know, two compared to one, right? That's 50% decreased risk in cardiovascular events, but that's a relative. An absolute risk out of the 100 people You had one less person that had a heart attack so if it is statistically significant it's a one percent chance that you might have a less of a heart attack if you take, take a statin and the numbers are some something compelling like that now there's other drugs that have come out over the last year or so that I can't mention on this program right now, but they have this that same kind of relative versus absolute risk. So please do your own um, research on that. Uh, you've been listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you for tuning in.